back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. And right now, we're chatting with Bela Fleck. Now, Bela is a banjo virtuoso, one of Bluegrass's most renowned instrumentalists. He's had more Grammy nominations in different genres than any other musician. Get this, 30 Grammy nominations and 15 wins. That's quite a lot of Grammys. In the first half of the interview, Bela talked about his banjo concerto and staying true to your own artistic vision. Right now, he's talking about his influence on the world stage and how that has affected him. You've played on stages in many countries with other renowned musicians from different places in the world. So talk a little bit about the power of music that you've experienced when you're playing with musicians from other places. It's a really great thing to play with somebody who doesn't speak your language linguistically, but I mean, but you can find some common language musically. And I discovered back when I went on tour with the Newgrass Revival back in the 80s, and we got to go to uh, India and uh, Bangladesh and Egypt and Morocco, that if I sat around and, you know, with some local musicians, I could usually find something to play along with them that they would dig, and I could sort of respond to what they played in whatever limited fashion possible, and something about it was very special. Uh-huh. They just all feel really connected and warm. And people would get really happy, and suddenly we'd be best friends. Yeah. And we couldn't speak any common tongues. Magic would happen, and that's sort of what led me to, you know, going to Africa years later. The same thing happened when the Flectones went to uh, the Pacific Rim, and we went to the Philippines, and we went to Thailand and Indonesia and Singapore and Mongolia. And everywhere we went, we would bring local musicians up on stage, and we could always find something to do. And it would tear down walls, because by the end of those shows, the audience would go, wow, you didn't just come here and show off what you did. You made an effort towards us to learn our culture. And it's a really, it's a great lesson. Beautiful experience for you, I'm sure. It really is. It feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to learn the most complicated thing that they've ever come up with. You can learn the simplest song they ever came up with, and then people are just as happy. So it's not like I'm a glutton for punishment, but yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it's possible to find some middle ground. Uh-huh. They can come to you, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, Absolutely. Right now you're doing solo concerts, duos, trios, quartets. Do you change how you approach your part depending on who yeah. you're working with? Okay. I've been playing with orchestras. Okay. Uh, I've been playing with Chick Corea, the duo, which is highly improvised. Okay. And I'm playing with uh, a string quartet called Brooklyn Rider. And with the orchestra and with Brooklyn Rider, there's almost no improvising. These are very complex pieces that have been composed mostly by me. Does you know, your brain uh, ever get fried going from yeah. like... Yeah, sometimes at the beginning of the tour, I go, why am I doing this? This is I am. <laughs> I just got done surviving the Chick Corea tour, and now I'm out on tour with these guys, and i got to play all this hard stuff. But by the second day, I'm excited again, and yeah. then I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. Kind of like, like the being uptight thing, you know, yeah. once you get through it. You go, you know what, that's exactly what I should be doing. Playing with Abby is one of the most sort of relaxing, joyful, happy things that I've ever gotten to do. And we have this wonderful chemistry together. And we also have a new baby. uh, Yes. And he's Uh he's just a wonder. And we get out there with our banjos and we just play this very natural, open, fun stuff. But I get to do all my fancy stuff if I need to, Uh you know. Um, And she gets to sing her songs. And we have lots of different banjos on stage from cello banjos to piccolo banjos and and we make a happy sound with just banjos. And if we ever get anybody to sit in with us, we don't get a fiddler or a bass player. We get another banjo player. Okay. Hmm. So it's a, it's a very banjo-centric show, but it's a very warm. And um, yeah. it's not about complexity. It's, you know, Abby's music is very inclusive, and she's a beautiful singer. And 
And also, we goof around, uh, and maybe more so than in any setting that I've been in. I'm very comfortable talking on stage with Abigail. Yes. We're a married couple goofing around and having fun, and it feels really good to come off stage and make a bunch of people really happy. I bet that's fun to watch. On so many levels. I think that'd be an awesome <laughs> concert. Mm-hmm. It really is. I wouldn't do it if it wasn't just as good as these other things, because uh-huh. Abby has always said, I don't want to play with you and have people go, oh, you know, if they weren't married, they wouldn't be playing together. Well, you know, maybe we wouldn't be, but it better be damn good is my point of view. Yeah. It's got to stand up there, and it does. We're making a new record together, and the, the tracks we've recorded so far, I'm really thrilled with. Cool. Well, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, and we're chatting with bluegrass banjo virtuoso, Bela Fleck. So how has becoming a dad changed your approach? Is there going to be a, a lullaby banjo CD? Well, maybe. <laughs> no reason not to. I think it gives you a lot more compassion Okay. Um, when you have a kid. Like it used to be, I was never really a kid person. I didn't just sort of warm up and get gushy just because a little baby walked by. Yeah, uh-huh. I hear you. Now that I know ours, uh-huh. I do. I look at the kid and I go, oh, he's unhappy or he's happy. Or you get all gushy. I get all gushy. And I, I talk to people when I see kids. I say, you know, I'm not a stalker. I have a kid at home about that age. It opens me up to a whole different world. And musically, I've already written a few tunes that are based on things with him. Okay. Uh, one was the quiet song where I was trying so hard to not wake him up when he was asleep, and I had found a way of playing the banjo super quiet. Mm. And, and it yielded a really nice, pretty, very simple song. Is that available yet, the quiet song? It's going to be on the new on okay. the Abby Baylor record. We decided okay. that one. And then the next one? And the next one is the piece that actually came first, which was when I was rushing home to try and meet him because he was born three weeks early and I couldn't get home in time for the birth. Mm. I was stuck on a layover, and I wrote a, a tune called Juno, which uses the syllables... Juno in a bunch of different musical ways. And that's his name. Uh, so I had something to bring to him when I got there. I had this, this song for him, and I play it for him all the time, and he, he always perks up when I play it. Oh, yeah. But aside from that, we put him in front of the piano, and he plays all this amazing, weird, crazy stuff on the piano, just, you know, banging on it. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm transcribing some of it because I'm going to write some pieces based on it. I'm getting a lot of mileage out of it. Yeah, that's cool. Do you ever get tired of getting nominated for Grammys or winning Grammys? I don't really don't mind. <laughs> it doesn't really bother me that much. Well, I guess it's interesting because I always end up in all these different categories. And I'm not really in any of them, you yeah. know, the truth is. So now, in, in a couple of years ago, they, they threw away a lot of the categories. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been nominated since because a lot of the, the sort of secondary categories, which were like, you know, not jazz, but contemporary jazz, which was a little looser, or, you know, contemporary world music or whatever, I was showing up in those places, and now those those categories are gone. So there was also a lucky window for me, you know, as an artist when those doors were open. A lot of them are, are closing, I think. Um, and that's unfortunate, I think, for the Grammys, because I think it's good for people on the edges to have a place in yes. there, too, and not just keep it in the center. Because a lot of the best music happens on the edges. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but believe me, I have more Grammys than I deserve or need. And, but I'm just thinking in terms of the good of the music in general. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good to support the iconoclasts yeah. and the people that have their own view of things and not just the people that are going down the center. You're going to have to start so think, your yeah. own award show. <laughs> yeah, weirdos. <laughs> Do you have a favorite performance you've done that stands out in your memory as just something you'll never forget? Uh, I, I would have a hard time, you know, locking it down to one. Okay. I really would, because there's so many different things that I've gotten to do. I mean, like playing with Chick Korea, but, you know, not one show, but, you know, like 70 or 80 shows with him, just shocking, you know, experiences. And some of them just, just went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And playing with Newgrass Revival at Telluride the first time, or 
you know, playing with Tony Rice and David Grisman, playing bluegrass with those guys, and playing with the Flectones, the first show we did. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. The first uh, performance of the concerto was mm-hmm. petrifying and wonderful. Yeah, I'm really, really proud of it, and I think I did pretty good for a guy who was, uh, you know, petrified. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any pre-stage rituals? Um, yeah, I mean, I love it if I can close my eyes for 10, 15 minutes. That doesn't mean I have to fall asleep. If an hour before the show, I'm I'm on my back, I'm completely relaxed, and I'm clearing my mind okay. for 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I get up and have a cup of green tea, you know, mildly charge up a little bit, and then walk down on stage. It's like a, a brand new start to the day, and then I feel fresh, and I have a lot of ideas and a lot of energy. That's probably the best thing I can do. Okay, cool. Well, Bela, we want to thank you so much. I want to hear you guys sing something to, to send me out. Okay. Okay, you're the first person we've ever sung in and out of the interview. <laughs> okay, ready, girls? He plays the banjo, wrote a concerto, music virtuoso. Bela Flag has to go. Bye-bye, Bela. <laughs> so long. Thank you. Bela Flag. And on October 7th, his new duet album comes out with his wife, Abigail Washburn. You got it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. We've come to the end of hour one, but stick with us. More music and a little comedy in the second hour coming right up.